Aloha New Hope Legacy and Happy New Year. This week, we finish the season's greeting series. Today's sermon is titled Equipped, and through a very relatable analogy, Pastor Trenton is going to discuss how we can prepare for the journey that God is calling us to. Let's dive in. How are y'all doing today? Anybody else brought some baggage with you into the new year? There's a difference between baggage and luggage, amen? I've got my luggage with me. If you want to bring your baggage, that's okay, but I've got luggage. How's everybody doing today? All right. It's good to see you all here. I'm going to get this thing off because it's going to pull me sideways, but I'm going to set it right here and just leave you wondering what that's for for a little bit. I don't know if it'll balance. We're going to put it right there. How's that? All the decorators happy now? Got it arranged artistically? Okay. Happy Sunday. It's good to see y'all. Well, as James mentioned, uh, tomorrow we're going to begin our seven days of fasting. And the whole heart behind this is that we're going to be tithing our year to God. We're going to give him our best first, and that includes with our time. So whatever it is that your flesh wants that would make your spirit stronger to do without for a few days, do that. That couldn't involve food. Maybe it's caffeine. For some of y'all, maybe it's TikTok. Sorry, I'm stepping on somebody's toes. Whatever, whatever that thing is, we believe that our spirit can become stronger as we take our mind off of the things that our flesh wants. And so that's what we're going to be doing for the next seven days as a church family. 2024 tomorrow, that is hard to believe. I still feel like I'm stuck somewhere in about February or March of the year 2020. But here we are in 2024, four years later. A new year is a special thing. There's a sense of anticipation. There's a, a new beginning. There are fresh things, fresh dreams, and new possibilities. And I don't know where your journey is going to take you this year. I don't know where my journey is going to lead me. But I do know one thing is that it's never a good idea to leave on a journey without preparing. If you Can you hear me now? I'm awake. Isn't technology fun? <laughs> Sorry about that. One thing I do know is that it's never a good idea to take off on a trip without packing in advance. That's why I wait until those two hours at the airport before the plane leaves to make sure I'm prepared. Amen. All the late packers say amen. And I love watching people at the airport. When I'm leaving on a trip, I love just sitting down at the terminal and watching people go by. You'll, you'll see the, the families with all the kids and a whole train of luggage spread out behind them, 20 feet long. They're just towing everybody along in line through the airport. You've seen them. Maybe you've been them. I like watching the flight crews go by. They're, they're the, just the, the model of efficiency. They've got their one bag, and you can tell they're on a mission. They are sharply dressed. They've got everything that they need, and it's packed into a little box about that big, and somehow they make it work. I can't quite do that. Then you got the, the guy drifting by with his Beats headphones on, and he's in his flannel pajamas and slippers. You ever seen him? He's there at the airport. You watch every time you fly out. He'll be there somewhere. He'll come drifting by. Off in his own little world. I've seen people wandering through the airport with all fancy, tricked-out luggage with tracking beacons and digital stuff, you know, glowing and antennas on their luggage. I've seen people riding their luggage. Did you know you can get luggage that has a chair built into it now? You can just ride it right through the airport. It's amazing. I saw an ad the other day for luggage that will follow you around. It's smart luggage. It will just follow your phone right through the airport. Amazing. 
I've even seen people wandering through the, the airport with giant stuffed teddy bears cast over their shoulder and I always wonder, what exactly are you going to use that for on vacation? It just <laughs> baffles me a little bit. But the key is every one of us somehow, somewhere are preparing for the trip ahead of us. When we take off, we've at least put some measure of preparation into the journey that we're about to leave on. Every one of us has a different idea of what it means to be equipped for a journey, and yet each one of us has put the time in to prepare and to equip ourselves in some way. And today I want to talk to you about being equipped for the journey. On this journey of life that you and I are on, we've each been given the single most important piece of equipment that a traveler could ever have in their possession, the most important piece of traveling gear that's ever existed, the Word of God. Who's got the Word of God with them today? If you've got your phone, wave that. If you've got your Bible, wave that. Keep your luggage with you. Guard it. Protect it. Unattended luggage may be destroyed. I have to give that disclaimer. Don't destroy your Bible. All of us recognize that God's word is important somewhere and somehow. Every one of us could cognitively say, yep, the Bible is important somewhere for somebody somehow, someday. And yet many of us don't spend the amount of time in God's word that we feel like we should spend. I won't ask for a show of hands, but if I was to ask you to raise your hand, I would imagine every one of us would probably raise our hand and say, yeah, I feel like I should spend more time in God's word, and yet I don't. Maybe I spend a certain amount of time in God's word, but I feel like I should be doing more. I should be taking better advantage of this gift that God's given me. Some of us are content to leave God's word for other people to study. And we'll go and pull up our favorite podcast or maybe a, a preacher online. If you're listening online, don't tune out. I'm not preaching against you. But it's important that we recognize God's word is not just for other people to do on our behalf. There's nothing wrong with all the resources and things that we want to draw from. But if we leave interacting with God's word to somebody else's responsibility, we're going to find ourselves lacking some vital things in our life. Many people have good reasons for not getting into God's word. James Begley is fond of saying, everything that I do makes sense to me. It's a good motto to live by. Everything that I do makes sense to me. It may not make sense to everybody around me, but I wouldn't do it if it didn't make sense to me. And often people interact with God's word in the same way or, or don't interact with God's word. A lot of people are intimidated by God's word. They, they've maybe read through part of the book of Revelation and fire and brimstone and weird creatures that I can't quite understand. And well, that's, that's too weird. That's too far out there. I, I'm just, I'm not going to go there. Many people are unfamiliar with the Bible. It's, it's this big book maybe I left reading behind when I left uh, grade school and I've just never really picked it back up. The Bible can be a little bit intimidating, a little bit overwhelming. Some people would look at it and say, well, grandma was the one that kept the family on track. So, you know, grandma knew where those verses were. That's, that's good enough for me. That was, that was grandma's role. We can leave that up to other people. Other people are more qualified. I'll leave it up to them. We have all different reasons for not digging into the Word of God the way that we feel like maybe we should, but we've all got our reasons. But today I want to encourage us to look at Scripture in a new way. We're going to work on demystifying the Bible, learn its importance and its value, not just for academic head knowledge, but for life transformation. <clears throat> We're going to open our Bibles today to 2 Timothy chapter number 3, 2 Timothy chapter number 3. 
We're going to start reading in verse number 14. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open it there. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from who you have learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Equipped. And that's our focus for today. Our big idea, if you're taking notes, is that God's Word is an inexhaustible storehouse of vital direction, provision, and protection for life's journey. And I do encourage you to take notes. Raise your hand if you need a sermon outline. I know one of our ushers will be happy to get that to you. But there's something powerful about writing down the things that we learn. <coughs> Excuse me. When I was about 12 years old, my father woke me up one morning and said, uh, we're going to plan a backpacking trip together. I'd never gone backpacking before. And uh, we began the process. I was pretty excited. I didn't know quite what I was getting myself into. But we began to prepare, and we began to load up our backpacks and get ready to go to this little place called Muskrat Lake. There it is, tucked away in the Cascade Mountains. That log cabin that you see was built back in the 1800s, if memory serves me correct. There was a gentleman who wanted to start a muskrat farm and raise muskrats around the lake. Um, judging by the lack of a business there now, I guess it didn't work too well for him. But the cabin still remains, and there are some lovely brown trout in those waters. I can personally attest to that. I didn't know what to take on the trip. At 12 years old, I had never done anything like this before, and so my dad handed me this big backpack and said, let's get ready to go backpacking. I didn't know what to take, so I just took everything, um, except for like the useful, essential stuff that I should have taken with me. I, I didn't have too many of the essentials. I, I didn't have a water filter, didn't have enough bug repellent, no map. I knew where the trailhead generally was. But you better believe I had four huge flashlights. I'm talking like full-size mag lights tucked away in my backpack. I had three different things to cut firewood with. I had a hatchet. I had a saw. I had, I had just all this gear and equipment. I had five different hunting knives, three compasses. I mean, I had all the cool stuff, the fun stuff. Not much in the way of the essentials. More clothes than I would need for a week-long journey. We were only going for one night. We made some fantastic memories, and I came back with weeks of knee and back pain and hundreds, literally hundreds of mosquito bites all over my body. What we didn't know was that Muskrat Lake is very marshy and that we went on the worst two days out of the entire year for mosquitoes around that lake. But the trout were amazing. We weren't prepared for the journey. We had a good time, but we also ran into some obstacles because we weren't properly prepared. In August of this year, I had the privilege of taking my two sons and my wife back to Oregon on a backpacking trip. That was their first time going. My oldest son is eight years old. My little guy is three. There we are at the trailhead with my sister and my dad, and they went with us. We were heading up uh, to another lake, not far from Muskrat Lake, actually, just on the back side of the same mountain range. And we had to put in some preparation time as we got ready. My boys had never done anything like that. My wife's never backpacked up into the Cascade Wilderness like that before. And there were so many memories that started coming back to me as we began to prepare for this trip. 
I got all of our backpacks out. This was my trekking pack that I took. This was, I got this pack, I believe, when I was 14 or 15. This has been on a lot of adventures with me. Here's my son's backpack, little Kanoa. This was his trekking pack that we took with us up into the woods. And Kavika had one size for him. Everybody had the right size backpack. And I lined them all up at the house, kind of like my dad had done all those years ago. And I said, okay, guys, let's start packing. Now, you go get what you think you're going to need on the journey, and I'll get a few things that I think you're going to need, and then let's talk about it before anything gets put in your backpack. So many memories as all the equipment started getting laid out. My son came back. He had his yo-yo. He had his drone. He had his binoculars. He had a potato cannon. He had his baseball and glove. I mean, we brought all the essentials there to the packing table. And I remember having a little conversation. I had prepared some things in advance to, to help them get ready. And I remember talking with my son and saying, you know what, I've done this before. Let me help you. And I prepared a Ziploc bag for each member of the family. And as he made a pile, I began to make a pile. And it was interesting the difference between the two piles. But I had a Ziploc bag of all the essentials for each member of the family. I don't know how many of you have gone backpacking before, but there's what they call the, the 10 C's or the 10 essentials when you go into the woods. It's the stuff that you need when something goes wrong. I'm not going to tell you the whole list, but it's, it's basic things like, do you have the means to get fresh water? Do you have a way to make a fire? Do you have a way to navigate? Do you have some bug repellent? Do you have the things that you're going to need for the journey? And I remember telling my son, he was trying to take the Ziploc bag out of his backpack and put some more toys in. And I said, no, 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 this bag is going to stay because what's in this bag will save your life. And he looked up with this funny look on his face, like, why does my life need saving? I said, buddy, you don't know what's going to happen on the trail. You can take stuff to have fun, but this bag, this one right here, this is the bag that's going to save your life. This is the bag that's going to get you back to the car if something goes wrong. In life, the only known is that the unknown is going to happen. We don't know what's going to go wrong. We don't know what's around the bend on the trail, but we know that life is full of the unknown. Trouble is expected. It's not a surprise. That's why we buy an umbrella and keep it in the trunk of our car because we don't know when the rain is going to hit, but we know that it's going to happen. We don't know when trouble will hit. We don't know what the trouble will be, but it's going to take place in our life. And Jesus Christ said, you know what? Trouble is going to happen, but I'm going to equip you with all you need. In John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus Christ said these words, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And if we jump on down to John 16 and verse 33, Jesus says this, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In other words, I've done this before. I've got what you need. I'm going to set you up for success. You don't know what's ahead, but I've done this before and I'm going to be with you. You don't know for certain what the journey ahead will hold, but you do know that there will be surprises on the way. As we began to pack our backpacks, I, I just started to do a... <clears throat>
to meet some resistance. I started to hear little grumbles and phrases like, why do I have to carry all this stuff? Why do I have to take a whistle and a compass? Why, why do I need a map? Don't you have one, Dad? And I started to hear these little comments. See, the basic problem was that they didn't understand the essentiality or the usefulness of the things that I was preparing for them. They didn't understand that this little Ziploc bag had some things that were going to be very useful on the trail, and they were going to be glad that they had invested the energy to carry it with them. Thought number one for you, if you're taking notes today, is that God's word is useful to all. God's word is useful to all. The problem with profoundly necessary things is that they're often also profoundly simple. Have you ever noticed that in life? When you're backpacking, there's a, a little rule called the rule of threes. Some of you may be familiar with it. The rule of threes says this. You can last about three weeks without food. You're going to be really uncomfortable. But the average human body can last about three weeks without ingesting any food. But you can only last three days without water. You can go without food for a little while, but you get dehydrated. Some of y'all, if you're new to the islands here, if you're planning on visiting, maybe watching online, watch out when you come here. The climate is going to hit you a little different. If you get dehydrated, it'll take you down quick. You can last about three days without water if you have to, but you can only last roughly three hours without shelter. If you get into a bad situation, if you get caught in a blizzard up on the mountain, if something catastrophic happens with the weather, you can only last about three hours, give or take, without shelter of some sort. You might be able to last three hours without shelter, but get this, you can only last three minutes without oxygen. You don't want to have to go that long, but again, on average, the human body can last about three minutes without air. Now, there's nothing surprising about anything on this list that I just told you. There's nothing that would shock any of us. Yeah, I, I get it. We need air. We need water. But see, the problem is because they're so simple, we often take them for granted. Ever taken anything for granted in your life? The purpose of the things in my backpack is to provide the basic necessities. Now, I didn't fully load my backpack, but I brought a few things along just to show you some of what goes into a trek through the mountains. There's some things in my backpack to provide the basic necessities. You're going to need some, some food, some sustenance on the trail. If you never had freeze-dried or dehydrated food before, I highly recommend Mountain House. Sponsorship uh, not included, just letting you know. Um, you're going to need some sustenance. In my backpack, there's some food in there. In my backpack... There's some things to keep me safe on the trail to provide healing. Here's a first aid kit. This is not the one I take backpacking. I just brought it because it's big enough to see, and it looks like a first aid kit. It's some things to provide healing in there. It's, it's got some bandages. It's got some burn cream. It's got things that I'm going to need on the trail. In my backpack, I've got shelter. Again, not the tent that I take with me. But in my backpack, I have some things that are going to keep me safe from the elements. They're going to give me that shelter from the environment that I was just talking to you about so I can last longer than three hours. And if I can remember where I put it, I've got a few more things in here. In my backpack, I've got a water filter. This little device right here will save your life. It'll prevent you from getting giardia. 
that little gadget right there will provide all the fresh water that you need on the trail. In my backpack, I've got a compass. I've got all these things that will provide the basic necessities for me on the trail. But because they're so simple, they're not as much fun as a yo-yo or a drone or a baseball glove. It's easy to take them for granted until you need them. The same is true in life. Every one of us is different, but all of us have the same basic needs. This is true in the physical and also in the spiritual. In fact, in Scripture, in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verses 6 through 8, Scripture says this, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. In other words, it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what your heritage is or your upbringing or your social status or your income or anything else. Your basic necessities of life are the same as every other person on the planet. And God's word is not for those of a specific temperament or background or culture. It's not, those, it's not just for those of a specific language. It's as basic of a necessity as food and water. In fact, in Deuteronomy... Chapter 8 and verse 3, Scripture says this, he humbled, you and let your hung, he humbled you and let your hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Some of you will recognize this as the Scripture that Jesus Christ quoted when he was being tempted in the wilderness. Man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Why is that? Well, because man is a three-part being. We are composed of body, soul, and spirit. And if we only focus on the things that we need for our body, it's like trying to sit on a three-legged stool that have had two of the legs cut off. It's not going to work too well. Now, all of us grasp the necessity of preparing the things that we need for our body. Most of us will make sure that we have what we need to keep our soul healthy, our mind, our will, and emotions. We'll read self-help books. Maybe we'll talk to a therapist or a counselor. Maybe we'll have some positive affirmations that we say to ourselves in the marriage morning. We'll do things necessary to keep our spirits up and our emotions healthy. I hope. If you're not keeping your emotions healthy, do that. That's a good thing to do. But often we'll take care of our body, we'll take care of our soul, and yet we'll neglect the most important pillar of all, which is our spirit. And just as my backpack holds what I need on the trail, God's word holds the critical essentials that I need for the journey of life. God's word contains shelter. When life hits hard, when storms are raging in my world, when there are personal attacks, when my finances are getting hit, when my health is falling apart, there are storms in life. I need shelter from the elements. And we find shelter in God's word in Psalm chapter 46. We're not going to read down through all these, but Psalm 46 talks about God's word being our shelter. How about protection? Did you know that we're in a battle? We're fighting against spiritual forces in this life, but we're not defenseless. If you didn't hear our Armor of God series 
last year, I believe it was, maybe the year before, go, on, go back on our podcast or archives and listen through. We have a defense. We have protection in our spiritual life. We read about that in Ephesians chapter 6. How about nutrition? Well, Jesus said that he was the bread of life in John chapter 6. We can find food for our spirit in the word of God. What about hydration? John 4, Jesus said that he's the living water. If you've ever gone through a dry spell in life and you feel like your spirit is just shriveling up and dying, you need to get some hydration in you. How about navigation? Clearly, if you're a man here today, you do not need directions. I understand that. I, that's okay. But it is a little bit comforting to have a GPS from time to time when I have a momentary lapse in my memory, when I'm just momentarily confused. Don't need directions, honey. I was just momentarily confused the whole way over here. Navigation. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's word can provide the guidance, the direction that we need. How about comfort? If you've never experienced disappointment or loss or grief on the journey, it's going to happen. Sooner or later, we're going to face those things. It's, it's part of the journey. What do you do when life hits hard? Well, walk it off. What about when you can't walk it off? What about when you lose somebody close to you? What about when you face tragedy that you couldn't have expected? What about when you've given it everything that you've got and it's still not enough and you still fail? John chapter 14 talks about the Holy Spirit being our comforter. How about healing? Isaiah chapter 53 talks about God being there for our healing, not just physically, but for our spirit. See, all of these essentials that we need for our spiritual health, they're easy to take for granted. In fact, they're so simple that we don't even really think about it until the moment that we need them. God's word contains all of these things. Now, some of y'all are looking at me with this expression that says, that's great, but you're just spouting off these chapters and you're not actually telling me what they say. You're not giving me anything to chew on here. What's up with that? I'm glad you asked. And I'm not going to teach on any of those things today because thought number two is that God's word is accessible to all. God's word is accessible to all. Here's your second fill in the blank if you're taking notes. As we were hiking down the trail on this backpacking trip that I took my boys on, it was a big moment for me. It was a, a really significant thing because, see, my dad hasn't gone backpacking in about 15 or 16 years. His mobility had decreased to the point that he couldn't get out on the hiking trail anymore. But last year, he got his second knee replacement surgery. He's had his hips replaced. He clanks a little bit when he walks now. He kind of rattles like the bionic man. But his mobility has improved so much that his doctor cleared him to go backpacking. And so in August, I got to travel back and not just take my boys and my wife backpacking with me. I got to go backpacking with my father for the first time in 20 years we were able to hit the trail together. That was a significant moment to me, not just for my memories with my dad, but to see my boys there making memories with their grandpa. Oh, that, that just got me to make memories like that. We started off on the trail and things were pretty shallow. You can't see the terrain behind us, but as we took off for the lake, the terrain was pretty shallow. There was a gentle incline and then it began to climb more and more steeply. 
I've hiked to this lake before, and, and I knew what to expect. About two-thirds of the way there, you come up over the ridge of the lake, or at the ridge of the hill, and then you look down, and it's sort of like this right here. You're looking down at the trail below you. And the whole way down from where you're standing down to the bottom of this steep, steep hillside is just switchback after switchback after switchback the whole way down. Now, my dad was doing really well getting on the trail, and he was, he was carrying his pack. He was doing a great job. But I knew his mobility wasn't such that he could navigate all these switchbacks by himself. My backpack started out a little larger than the others on the trail. I was carrying about 80 pounds on my back there. And going down these switchbacks on the trail, I found myself jogging down the switchbacks with an 80-pound pack on my back, a 50-pound pack over my head, and another smaller one hanging off the side somewhere. And I'm jogging down the trail all the way to the bottom on these switchbacks. I got down to the bottom and unloaded the packs, got myself freed up, I got some water, and then I sprinted all the way back up the hill to where my family was and was there to try to help my dad navigate down these switchbacks and take some more of the load. Now, that might sound really impressive, but you didn't see what sort of condition I was in by the time I got back down to the bottom. You better believe my legs were shaking, I was gasping for air, I was dehydrated, I was, I was tipsy on my feet by the time I got back down. I could push myself to a point, but I couldn't carry all that my family needed the whole way down the trail. There was a limit to my capacity, and I could push myself to a degree, but I hit my limit. And just like I can't carry a backpack big enough for my entire family to go backpacking, I can't provide all that you need for your soul. That might come as a shock, but it's true. I can't provide all that you need for your spiritual growth and health in life. My capacity will run out. I'll give you everything I got. I'll give you all the extra that I have. I'm not going to sacrifice my own health, but I'll give you everything that I got. But at some point, my capacity runs out. And if you're leaning on me, if you're waiting for me to carry the load and to provide the things that you need on the trail, then at some point you're going to find yourself standing there on the trail and saying, well, what, what happened? I, I don't have what I need. I ran out. My, my canteen is empty. I don't have any more of this food. My, my backpack is empty. And come on, pastor, you're supposed to give me this stuff. Come on, where's the water? Where's the food? And I'm going to be standing there next to you saying, you know what? I love you. I care about you. But my capacity has been reached. If you're on the trail, you have a responsibility for your own journey. One of the most memorable hikes that I remember going on with my dad, and I've shared a little bit about this before with you, was to the top of South Sister Mountain in the Cascade Range. <clears throat> South Sister Peak is the tallest mountain in the Cascade Range that you can climb without technical gear. You don't have to rope up. You don't need ice axes and all the fancy stuff that way. But it is a, a daunting mountain to climb if you've never climbed a mountain peak before. And I remember on my way up there, when I was in my teen years, this was one of the largest hikes, most significant hikes I went on with my dad. We were about halfway up the mountain and we met this hiker coming back the other direction. They weren't looking too good. We were tired. We were heading uphill, but they looked really, really beat. And as they sort of staggered toward us down the trail, I, I heard the first words out of their mouth. They said, do you have any water? 
do you have any water? And, and we did take some filters and things on that trip. We did have extra water with us. And I remember filling up their canteen and watching them just gulp this water down because they had run out on the trail. In fact, they didn't even make it to the top of the mountain. They got partway up and realized they were unprepared for the journey that they were on. I've been hiking before and met people that had run out of food on the trail, shared some granola bars, shared some food with them, tried to make sure that I had extra to give away. But it doesn't turn out well if you are unprepared on the mountain. And as we helped these people, I remember... The, the look, the sort of defeat on their face and the, the discouragement. And we helped them. We did everything that we could. We gave them water, made sure their canteens were full. And then we sent them back down the mountain. Why is that? Because I'll give what I have, but I don't have enough to bring them to the top of the mountain. If you're leaning on me for all of your spiritual health, if you're leaning on anybody else in your life to give you the spiritual sustenance that you need, you're going to run out. You've got to learn to get into God's word for yourself. As I mentioned earlier, some people don't dig into God's word because of a misunderstanding about who it was for. Maybe in your family it was your dad. Maybe he was the one that made sure that the family went to church. He was the one that if scripture was going to be quoted, that was dad's job. He was the one that prayed before dinner. He was the one that prayed at family gatherings. That was dad's job to do those things. Maybe in your family, maybe that was grandma or your aunt or somebody. And there was that one person, you know, well, they're, they're the holy one in the family. And if something spiritual is going on, that's, that's the one that we call because they've got a direct line to God. Well, there's two passages that I love in the Bible. The first one is in Deuteronomy chapter 17, starting in verse 18. God's laying out some ground rules for the nation of Israel about when they get a king. God knew they were going to ask for a king. And so he laid out some ground rules ahead of time for when that day came. Deuteronomy 17, starting in verse 18, says this, and when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book, a copy of this law approved by the Levitical priests. And it shall be with him and he shall read it, read in it all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by keeping all the words of this law and these statutes and doing them, that his heart may not be lifted up above his brothers and that he may not turn aside from the commandment either to the right hand or to the left so that he may continue long in his kingdom, he and his children in Israel. The next passage is, also in the same book of the Bible, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse number 6, we read these words. These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now, these two passages I love because they're talking about people in vastly different places in life. The first one is talking about the king preparing to take the throne. And what a beautiful picture this gives of the king. I, just this mental image comes to mind of the king preparing for his coronation. And he's there in his chambers with a, a, perhaps a candle burning. And in the light of this flickering candle, he has his pen out and a piece of parchment. And he's copying down character by character, letter by letter, the words of God's law. 
He's inscribing them. He's making his own copy of God's word to carry with him, to use, to read, to love, to guide him as he rules the nation from the throne. Then in Deuteronomy 6, we have this picture of parents teaching their children. They're nowhere near the palace. They're not ready to create a copy of God's word for themselves. But the parents have a responsibility to make sure that God's word is an, an inseparable part of their life. It says, bind it to your doorposts and on your gates. Bind it between your eyes. I mean, plaster the word of God all over your life to where you can't get away from God's word and your children bump into it wherever they go. If your kid's going to run through the house and hit the corner of the wall, make sure it's got scripture written on it. Two very different places in life, the throne and the nursery. And yet God's word is accessible to both. God word, God's word is essential to both. It was to be useful to all, not just reserved for a few. I showed you my son's backpack here. When we were hiking down the trail, each one of us carried what we could to our own capacity. My pack, I'd mentioned, had about 80 pounds worth of food and water and gear and tents and all the things that I knew the family would need. This is Kanoa's backpack here. He carried to his capacity what he needed on the trail. He had two diapers and a bottle of water and a few wipes. That was his capacity. But I'll tell you what, that little dude trucked the whole way down the trail carrying that backpack without assistance except for about the last 300 feet. He was a trooper climbing up the mountainside there. Why? Because he carried to his capacity. He couldn't carry the 80-pound backpack, but he had what he needed to his capacity. It's the same in the Word of God. Not all of us have the same capacity. Not all of us have the same familiarity. Not all of us have the same place in life. But God's Word is accessible. It's vital to every single one of us. James mentioned a little bit ago that we use here at NHL, we use an acronym called SOAP in studying the Bible. If you've never dug into God's Word, this is the most accessible, most transformative way of studying the Bible that I've ever used. And I've tried a few different ways of studying God's Word in my devotions. SOAP journaling has radically transformed my walk with God and the way that I interact with His Word. Here's what it looks like. We have a reading plan that we go through as a church family. We, we read the same passages... And then we look for a scripture that pops out at us. What's the thing that God highlights to us? Because see, it's not just a book, it's God's word. And the author of the book has a very specific interest in revealing himself to you through this letter that he's given you. As you read through his word, God will highlight things. He'll, he'll pop them out at you and catch your attention. We take that as the S for scripture. We, we teach people not to take more than one or maybe two verses at a time. Make it bite-sized. Make it easy. Write them down in your journal. Here's my scripture. Now, the question is, why did God highlight those things to you? What was the purpose? Because as I mentioned over our Christmas series, God doesn't show up just because. When God shows up in your life, when he speaks into your life, it's for a reason. He has a purpose in mind. So what was the reason that God highlighted these verses to you? We write that down as our O for observation. What was it that caught your attention? Maybe you don't even necessarily understand what it means yet, but what was the thing that caught your attention? Pray about it. Look for context around it. 
Look for the, look for the rest of the chapter and the, the book surrounding this verse. Pray for understanding. And then here's perhaps one of the most vital steps in this process, application, the A. Because see, God's word is not just intended to be mental knowledge, academic knowledge that you store away in your mind. God's word is, li is living, it's breathing, it's transformative, it's powerful. And when you take the time to say, okay, God, here's your word, here's what you highlighted to me in your word, here's what I observed, and now how should I apply that to my life today? Because as I mentioned, God's been there before. He knows what your day holds before you do. If you got a meeting coming up at work, you got a phone call, you got, you got an unexpected maybe fender bender on the road, you better believe that the God who created you and loves you knows what's going to happen before you get there. He's going to resource you with the things that you need to make it through your day when you take the time to invest in his word. Application. How is this passage going to change my life and my decisions today? And then lastly, we have P for prayer. Pray it into your life. God, help me. I don't know what's going to happen today. I don't know why you highlighted this to me, but here's how I see that I can apply it to my life. And so I'm asking you, God, help me to, trans help me to choose to live my life different and may you transform me through your word, through this passage that you've given me. Write it out in your journal. Here's the cool thing that happens is as you develop this daily discipline of journaling, of spending time in God's word, you begin to build up a library of the things that God has spoken into your life. You begin to build up a backpack, if you will, that you can refer back to. When something hits and you don't quite know what to do, you look back in your journal and I will guarantee you that God has spoken to you and given you the resource that you need to make it through. It's happened time and time and time again in my own life. People have asked me sometimes, where do, you, where do you get the material that you teach or that you preach about on Sunday? You know, I don't know where I get it from. My devotions, the things that God's speaking into my own heart. That's what I share. That's what he's revealed. Those are the things that help me to, to grow, to navigate on the journey. Thought number three for you. God's word only benefits me when I use it. God's word only benefits me when I use it. Has anybody here watched the TV show called Alone? Anybody watch that? I, it, it's a lot more fun to me than Survivor and some of the others. It's, it's sort of like reality TV, but it's actually real. You don't get all the drama and the Hollywood nonsense and things. In the TV show Alone, they, they take a group of people out in the woods. They separate them by a few miles each. They're not allowed to interact with each other, so you don't get any of the drama. They choose a few supplies that they want to take with them, and then their goal is to be the last man standing in the woods. They have to outlast everybody else. They don't have any contact with other people. They got to go find and hunt their own food. They got to forage for what they need. They got to survive the elements, and it's just them against the elements, them against the world. Awesome show if you never checked it out. One of the saddest things that I've ever seen on TV, a few seasons back on Alone, a gentleman had done very well in fishing. He had, he had gotten a lot of food. He had stored up. He had this whole little pantry going of fish that he had dried and, and berries and things that he had foraged and dried and stored up because he knew food wasn't always going to be that plentiful. And some of these guys go months out in the woods on this show. It's not like a week or two. They're going months and months at a time, some of them. 
This guy had done very well finding and foraging some food, and he was storing it up. The problem was he had focused so much on storing up the food that he obtained that he didn't use the food that he had. Every couple of weeks, they have a mandatory check-in with a doctor that comes around and checks each contestant to make sure that they're not going to die out in the woods because that'd be bad PR for the TV series. The doctor came around and took one look at him. He goes, you don't look so good. He said, no, doc, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. I've been, I've been finding food. I've got it all stored up here. I'm, I'm doing great. He said, no, you don't, you don't look so good. Started running some tests on him. He took his blood pressure and, and measuring different things. And the doctor went back. He looked in his notes. He came back. He said, no, you're off the show. And the guy just started crying. He said, Doc, you can't do this to me. What, what's going on? You, you can't kick me off the show. I've got all this food. I'm doing fine. I'm, I'm succeeding. He said, no, no, no. He said, you don't understand. Your body has gone into starvation mode. Your body has started to shut down. And if we don't get you off this island right now and back to civilization and medical care, you're going to die. You have starved yourself to death. Saddest thing that I've ever seen on TV. I wanted to cry right along with him. He had tears streaming down his face. He's going, but I have food. I have food. I eat. I promise I'll eat the food. But he hadn't. He had pushed his body to the point that there was no alternative but to get him to urgent medical care. The food was there. The resource was accessible. He had all the supplies that he needed, and yet he starved himself right out of the running in this contest. It's not enough to have what you need. You got to use it. You got to ingest it. You got to take it down into your soul. You got to make use of what God's given you. I wonder how many here today have bought those buckets of Costco emergency food, the big, big bucket of pasta and things that they sell sometimes. How many of you have actually tasted it or tried it? Maybe you got some MREs or extra canned food stored up in your house. When did you check the, the expiration dates? When did you check and test, taste what you had? How many of us have a flashlight in the glove box of our car? How many of us have used it and tested the batteries this month? It's a little free you know, hurricane preparedness tip here for you. How many of us have made use of what we have? In our Christmas series over this last month, I shared the story of the wise men on their way to worship baby Jesus. There was a, a moment that we didn't spend a lot of time focusing on as I taught through the series, but the wise men came to Herod and they said, where can we find the newborn king of the Jews? And there's a really interesting thing that happened. Herod went to his advisors. He went to the spiritual leaders. He said, where is the Messiah to be born? If there's going to be a king born, where would it be? And his advisors all came back with the same answer in Bethlehem because it's written in God's word, this is where it's going to happen. Now, here's the amazing thing. The wise men didn't know God's word, but they had a heart to follow God. They had a heart to receive the divine appointment that has showed up in their life. King Herod's advisors had the word of God. They had read the word of God. They knew the word of God, but they never made use of the word of God. They were not on their way to meet the newborn Savior. They had all the right knowledge. They had all the right training. They had all the right facts and information, and yet they were not in the right place spiritually. They missed out on this moment. In my life, I've tried to develop a habit of using the things that I need to rely on. 
I've got a toolkit in each one of our vehicles. If I have a vehicle issue, if my battery dies or, or something happens and it needs to be fixed, before I go and get the tools in my garage, I'll get out the toolkit in the car and I'll see if I can fix the car just with what I've got in that little toolkit. Why? Because I want to know what I have. I want to make sure it still works. I want to make sure that the, my wrench isn't, you know, bent out of shape and my screwdriver hasn't got a rounded over tip on it. I want to make sure that the things that I need to rely on when it counts, that they still function. I watched a young man recently that sort of was discovering this importance in his life with the Word of God. He wasn't that familiar with the Word of God, but, but all of a sudden life hit hard. And I'm not going to tell you his story for him, but something had really, really thrown him in his life. It was a crisis moment like he had never faced before. And he called me up and just in tears on the phone, he was about to lose everything. And he called me up crying and wanting prayer and you got to help me, you got to help me, you got to, what do I do? What do I do? How do I navigate? And I said, you know what? There's only one thing that's going to help you navigate this is you got to get in touch with God. You got to get into God's word. You got to seek some Holy Spirit wisdom on this thing. You got to listen to his voice because I can't fix this one for you. And it was amazing what happened. All of a sudden, he was fervent in prayer. He was quoting scriptures out of context. In fact, I think he wrote some new scriptures that day. Three new books of the Bible added just that morning. He didn't know what he had. He had never tested the resource that he needed to lean on. And so he didn't know where to turn when life suddenly hit. It's the same in our lives. We've got to use the thing that God's given us. John chapter 14, starting in verse 25, Jesus said these words, These things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Now notice this little phrase here. The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. And I got sort of this mental image as I read through this verse of the Holy Spirit coming down into my life and, and saying, okay, Trent, here's this crisis moment that you've reached. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach in. I'm going to bring something to your remembrance. What, what's stored in there? What can I bring out from your remembrance from what I've shared with you? And he begins to pull out these verses and, and resources and supplies that I'm going to need for what life's thrown at me. But how many of us, the Holy Spirit comes in and he says, okay, here's, here's the challenge. You just lost your job and you don't know how you're going to pay the mortgage. Let's, let's see what's in there. What can I bring back to your remembrance? Genesis 1-1, is that the only thing you've got in here? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Yes, that is true. But surely there's something else. Yeah. Come on, you, there has to be more in there. I can't bring it to your remembrance if it's not in your memory to start with. How many of us, the Holy Spirit, would come up somewhat empty if he reached into our remembrance of what he's spoken to us? It's like when I tell my boys to go pack their backpacks or get a bag ready. If we're going to an appointment, sometimes I'll tell them, go, go pack some toys up, get some activities ready. You're going to be waiting for a little bit while I'm in a meeting. And every now and then I look in their bag when they bring it back to me and I say, you brought What? Is that all you brought? You've got a whole backpack and one Hot Wheels car is tucked inside of it. 
That's not going to keep you occupied very long, buddy. How many of us, though, spiritually have lived the same thing out? In John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, Jesus said this, If you abide in my word, don't just visit it on occasion. Don't just stop by to say hello. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Pastor Wayne Cordero pointed out recently that a lot of people misquote this verse. They say the truth will set you free. It's true, partly. It's not the truth that sets you free. It's the truth that you know that will set you free. You got to get into God's word. You got to learn it. You got to read it. You got to live it. You got to love it. You got to apply it, study it, abide in it. You got to soak yourself in the word of God because that's the thing that's going to get you through the trials ahead. I don't know what the obstacle is that's coming at you on the journey this year, but I know life is going to hit somewhere, somehow. You got to get ready. You got to be equipped for the journey. Don't be like the Pharisees when Jesus was born. So accurate on the details, but lacking any application of God's word, lacking the transformation that his word could bring. Don't be like those that we've all seen that say, well, God's word is good for somebody somewhere. It was good for grandma. It's good for my cousin Bob. You know, he does okay with that, but it's just not for me. No, I want to tell you, if you're listening to the sound of my voice today, if you're alive on planet earth today, it is for you. It's given to you by the God of the universe as a precious, precious gift. But we got to make use of it. This January, I've challenged the church family, and James mentioned earlier during the announcements, we're starting on seven days of prayer and fasting, but we're also starting tomorrow on a 31-day soap challenge. And I want to invite each one of you, if you're here today or listening online, join me on this 31-day soap journey. If you don't know how to journal, you've never done it before, make it a once-a-week journey. I won't judge you. God's not going to judge you. That's, that's infinitely more than you're already doing if you're not doing it. If you're already in God's Word, do it another day a week. If, you, if you're in God's Word one day a week, make it two days a week. If you're in God's Word two days a week, make it three days a week. My challenge for those of us that are willing to take the challenge is make it seven days a week. Life has a way of hitting every day. God has what you need to make it through. So after service, we got some new journaling groups going to be starting, different days, different times, different locations around the island. Stop by the info center out there. We've got free journals for you, both for adults and then some handmade ones for the kids. And I encourage you, if you have children, do your devotions with your children. Get God's word into their hearts. But learn God's word. Apply God's word. If you're intimidated by it, Get in connection with somebody else who can help teach you this process. Find a coach. Find somebody to walk with you on this journey. we got sign-up sheets out there for all the different groups launching. Please, if you're even willing to consider the possibility of joining us, put your name down on the list. Make a commitment to show up at least once and try it. I promise you, you're not going to regret it. But I'm telling you, the potential is there for your life, your walk with God to be radically transformed. He knows what you need for the journey. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for this precious, precious gift that you've given us. Food, sustenance for our soul. 
encouragement for when we're dumb, strength for when we're weak, healing for when we're broken. Thank you that there's nothing that we can face in life that you don't already know about and that you won't equip us for. And so I'm asking you to develop a love for your word. Help us to develop a love for your word, Lord. Put it in our hearts. Develop a hunger within us for more of your word, not just to learn it as head knowledge, not just academic achievement, not just so we can quote it back, but Lord, help us to store it somewhere down deep within our heart, within our soul, so that when life hits, your Holy Spirit is able to reach in and bring these things to our remembrance so that we can apply it and live it out so that we can be transformed day by day into your image. May we never take it for granted, Lord, the simplicity of the word of God because we know that the most profound things in life are often simple. Us never to take it for granted, Lord. Thank you for the privilege of getting into your word, of learning, studying your word today. And I pray that you would help each one of us this week, this month, this year, to develop the discipline of daily time spent with you. We love you, we thank you, and we invite you into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go with God, new hope. Thank you for joining us here once again for the New Hope Legacy podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to check out this week's announcements. I know that we have several SOAP groups starting up very soon. You can do that on our website at newhopelegacy.com or on our app. See you next week.